Welcome to episode 823 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Rightio, team, welcome on to episode 823 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I am pretty good, Bevan. How about yourself? The, uh, the, 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 I hear the cross-country is happening in the next few hours. It is. Got to go watch the, the old youngster Felicity go to the school cross-country. What age is on that? From, uh, she is uh, 13. And how far are they going? And I've, they're going 3Ks. And it's fair to say, I think I've fully lost the mantle of being the fastest runner in the house now to Thomas, which is uh, a little uh-huh. bit unfortunate. He had a, three, he had a 3K Canterbury Champs last week and went 9.57, which is, you know, that's uh, three yeah. minutes, 19 per K. I ain't doing that for 3K <laughs> at the moment. I can tell you that for nothing. <laughs> oh, well, I was going to ask, how, are we with the, how fast would the fastest 13-year-old boys do? Yeah, but he's pretty much... Uh, Pretty much it. Uh, well, no, he's 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 fifteen now. The thirteen-year-olds they were going. I could probably t- still take them down. They were about ten twenty, I think, was first. So I could probably just about bust that out. And how did Tommy do in his race? Like, if he did that time, how did he go overall? He got he got second. It was a very good performance. Oh, that's awesome! Minute 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 twenty quicker than last year. Jesus, mate! It's in the, it's in the genetics. It's in the genetics. Oh, bullshit! Bullshit! That's bullshit! It's hard work. That's what it is. It's hard work. <laughs> well, but anyway, I am talking is proudly brought to you by our amazing patron partners. We've got Profile Design and they've got hydration, wheels, storage, aero bars, stems, handlebars. You go profile, profile slash or dash design.com. We've got the Magic Five custom fitted swimming goggles. Uh, I watched the. Their uh, little clip that they had on Shark Tank yesterday. Yeah. It's quite yeah. entertaining. So Magic 5 goggles, awesome that they are. Check them out at magic5.com. We've also got the World Triathlon Store. You can get your I Am Talk gear at imtalk.me. Then click on store and you get some awesome gear from World Triathlon. Obviously, you can get our gear when you're there, but also check out all the amazing other gear that they have there. Now, when you become a patron, you go into the draw to win one of the cool prizes from our patron partners. And today we'll be doing a draw at the end of the show. We also want to say a big thank you to our patrons. John, you go first. Barbie, the Dinky Dynamo, Brissolais. That's where you went first. And I've gone Duncan Danger Penfold. And Thomas is going long. Nice. And this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week, age group of the week, and we've got an interview, John. We are. We're talking to Fenella Langridge. Uh, finished eighth at the World Ironman Championships last weekend or the weekend before last over in St. George and haven't heard from her before. So nice to hear from another one of the huge stable of talented great britain females yeah really really they, they know how to how to pop them out in the uk okay so let's look at this last weekend there weren't many races happening so we're looking ahead really at the sub seven slash eight that's going to be happening in a couple of weeks from now and the teams have been announced and it's interesting it looks like at least on the men's they're both going for the same strategy of using eight so here's the deal they can use 10 athletes for drafting throughout the whole race um and it looks like both the men both uh Ali Brownlee and Blumenfield have gone with eight cyclists 
in their team, which is quite that, fascinating, that, isn't it? That Bevan, Bevan, I've got to pull you up there because we had a disgruntled listener Oh, because you're not pronouncing Blumenfeld's name correctly. You're going Blumenfeld, and it's Blumenfeld. Felt. He was very okay. we, we, We'll come to that later on in the discussion of the week. He 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 did a post and said, Bevan, get your shit sorted out. Blumenfeld. Name correctly. Blumenfeld. Okay, I, I promise. I'll say felt, not field. But um, <laughs> interesting, interesting, interesting strategy, isn't it? It is, and the, the female teams we'll, we'll, we'll discuss in a moment. They've just been announced uh, this morning as well. But, yeah, look, it's not uh, amazingly surprising because, you you know, these guys, you've got to have some strong cyclists out there, and the reality is they don't need much help in the swim. You know, they really only need, you know, one or two people to really help them through the swim. Of course, it would be a little bit better to have a nice big arrow in front of you, but when you've got to weigh everything up, the bike's where it's all at. And for these guys on the run, um, you know, they know the pace they need to run. And again, there is some aerodynamics on the, the run, but that's far outweighed from, from what you can achieve on the bike. And the, the thing with both the males and the females, um, whether they're going to do the sub seven, sub eight, it is all going to come down to what they can do on the bike because we know what they can do in the swim. We've got a pretty good idea on what they can do on the run. It should be pretty close. But I think for all of us, uh, the big unknown is is how fast they can actually go on the on the bikes. So yeah, so Alice Brownlee, he's I don't really don't know. The only name no, I'm neither. familiar with is is, is Alec Dowsett. Um he's been a very good rider. He's currently riding in the Giro d'Italia. Um, and the rest of his team is is just made up of, you know, really good, uh, good cyclists and and Blumenfeld. Uh, is has gone for a you know, pretty similar focus as well. Just you know, cyclists that I that I haven't heard of. Um, interestingly, he's got he's got um, a Paralympian in it. What? No, he's got either was someone who was probably a, a guy a for a Paralympian. With, yep. Yeah, I was going to say you wouldn't. I don't think you'd have a Paralympian in there. But he's got um, Matt Bottrell helping his team out, and he coaches a lot of the high-profile triathletes. So yeah, not not entirely surprising to see these lineups. Um, yeah, they didn't really. So they named the, name the cyclists. Did they name the runners? <clears throat> No, they haven't. Um, so I imagine that for the run, you know, Brownlee will probably have his brother there doing some pacing work and and one or two others that might sort of come in and, in and out. And I imagine Blumenfeld maybe have Christian Eden or someone and a couple of other runners. Um, well, you want someone to, who can swim around, don't you? Because they've only given themselves two people to draft with. Outs- you know, yep. so you want swim runners, don't you? And that's where his brother could come into to play as well there. You know, he can clearly um, help through the swim as well. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. On the, the female side of it, they literally just announced their teams this morning. And they're, um, yeah, they're a little bit different. It looks like they might have struggled a bit to, to find um, some really strong, you know, a big depth of female strong athletes. So for, for Kat Matthews, it looks like she's got quite a few, you know, female cyclists. She has got one or two triathletes in there. Um, but on the the but in terms of um Nicholas Spirig, she's gone for a few more triathletes. She's got Imogene Simons in there, Lizzie Brook, Al Zvissa, and Melanie Mora, um, and along with um, Amelia Watkinson and Louise, uh, Louisa Baptista and Lucy Buckingham. So she's got quite a few triathletes in there. Um, and I just wonder if they're going to be strong enough to, to keep that pace really high all the way through the bike as opposed to the cyclists. So, yeah, interesting lineups. Um, I think initially when this whole thing was announced, we were kind of having advantage females in terms of um, making, you know, making the grade and making the time. Um, whether or not that swung over to advantage males, I'm not quite sure. Hopefully they all make it. 
be really interesting to watch. Okay, one other, th- or another next piece of news is um, Ali Brownlee and a few others now have the challenge of having to qualify for Kona because they didn't race St. George. And it, you know, we are getting into May, you know, like it is kind of getting to that moment where you're going to have to, and with Ali doing a sub seven, you know, there's a challenge, isn't there? There is, and, and a lot of the slots of normally would come into this stage pre-COVID times, and you wouldn't have that many people qualified, and you'd be getting a lot who would qualify sort of you know, up to, say, Ironman Germany, and then a few more after that. So at this stage, there's a lot of the slots have gone, and yeah, Brownlee's challenge is he's doing this race uh, on the 5th and 6th of June, so that's when it's going to be held in, in Germany. Uh and you can't just, well, you can, but it's very difficult to then turn around again, going from the fastest, potentially the fastest ever iron distance performance, and then to turn around and do a good Ironman. So in the 12th of June, which is the weekend after, it's not going to be doing that. There's a couple of races. Um, but then after that, you've got Frankfurt with his three slots. And then all the other races, there's generally only one or two slots. So not only have you got to go and do another race, you've basically got to go and win it or in some cases get second um, depending on who else is racing and if they've already got a slot so it does make it difficult for Brownlee to a qualify for Kona and then be in peak condition he's got to do two Ironmans in a pretty short space of time and then be ready for Kona so that's going to be um, going to be tricky for him yeah really tricky it does it really does make it interesting but you know we do have to recognize that a lot of athletes are top athletes like if you look at Frankfurt you know, there's three male slots for that race. Um, mm. It's a European Championship. So I imagine the field it's going to turn up, a lot of the top guys would have already qualified for Kona. So you could probably pull off like a seventh or an eighth in that race and probably get a slot. Yeah. So I don't think he has to put in an amazing performance, but you still got to put in a decent performance, you know. Yeah. And we showed he's he's not he's not indestructible these days. Uh, if he puts in a good, strong performance, he'll be sweet. How much that takes out of him, we don't know. Um, but he can't. It's not just like going and validating. Whereas uh, some other athletes, you know, for example, if Lucy Charles happened to be, um, you know, ready for Kona, she does have to go and validate somewhere. Um, and I guess Jan Fredino is probably in a similar boat. He's going to have to go and validate somewhere, I guess. Uh, so yeah, that, big difference between validating and 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 qualifying your slots. So yeah. Cool thing is, it's going to be 55 slots for the um, both males and females this year. We, we had a discussion um, a few weeks ago about, you know, um, who gets the automatic slots and if that's still valid. So if you're a Kona winner, you still receive a slot for the next five years. Um, you do, do need to go and validate. And also, I'd forgotten about this one. If you got second or third place in Kona, you receive a slot for next year's Kona race. Um, but you also have to um, validate that. Don't know if that will how that's going to work this year, given we've already had a world champ. So does that mean the guys that finish second and third automatically have a slot, or did they qualify there? I'm not quite sure, but that's how it is going forward. You also have the 70.3 world champions. World champions, they need they get a slot. So Lucy Charles will get one of those, and Gustav Eden will get one of those. Gustav Eden's already done his validation when he did whichever race it was uh, at the end of last year. And yeah, there is also the wild cards, which we'll maybe discuss a little bit later on. Okay, coming up this weekend, or coming up soon. It's not this weekend, is it? Is it this weekend? It is this weekend. Uh, I think it is this weekend. Lanzarote, 21st of May. Yep. Uh, 21st of May, we've got Lanzarote happening. Uh, Let's look at the field here, John. So male field's pretty big. Female field's pretty small. Michael Weiss is looking like he's the favourite coming into the race. 
Yeah, only there's two pro slots, two male, two female. Uh, only pays 25,000, 10 deep. It's yeah. not a big payday. Cool race to go and do, and a good one if you win it, you know, to have on your, your result sheets, and it'd be quite good for sponsors. But yeah, that's pretty weak on the prize money front. It's just, it's a good, steady field. You know, the cool, cool thing with, with fields like this is I don't really know hardly any of the names. So it's kind of a bit of a, an open. You know, and a pretty open race on on the male side, as you said. Michael Weiss is uh, predicted to come in first and win by a mere forty seconds. Uh, and all of the guys are, are predicted, you know, top seven predicted to come in within six minutes. So hopefully we get a nice uh, a nice close race. And equally on the female side, again, no none of the real big hitters there. So um, hopefully we'll see a nice close race. We've got the challenge champion or the championship Samoran, and that's happening this weekend as well. Gustav Eden is down to race, so we'll be interested to see how he goes. Yeah, this has kind of snuck up on us because this is normally uh, yeah, it's be a big thing, at, isn't it? Yeah, well, normally it would be held at the same time as Collins Cup, and they would do the the challenge championship. This is what they did last year um, on the next day. Um, however, this year it's going to be the World Triathlon. Uh, long course championships so that's why they've obviously shifted it forward yeah it's um i don't know it's called the championship so in theory it's like another sort of world championships but it's kind of not really paying a hundred thousand euro paying 10 deep which is good um and you've got a good field but you certainly wouldn't say this is like a world championship field um you got gustav eden as bevan said frederick funk thomas steger Kyle and Kyle Smith and, and Mickey Tagholt. So you've got some, some really solid athletes there. And on the female side, you've got Emma Pallant-Brown, Ashley Gentle, Amelia Watkinson, and uh, Sarah Perez. And uh, you've also got Fennell Langridge, who you're going to hear from later in the show. So good, strong fields, but you wouldn't really call them necessarily a world championship type. It's interesting field. looking at um, try rating, try rating.com and, and Dawson always puts in uh, the male participants, female participants, percentage chance of winning. Gustav Eden, 74% chance of winning. <laughs> so yeah. I can't imagine you get many higher than that. No, that's, uh, that's, I'd almost put it higher than that. If he's, if he's fit and healthy, don't think any of those Just guys like 99? They're going to be, you don't think they'll be getting very close to him. So uh, what does he say? He says Amelia Watkinson is 31% chance on the female side. So go the Kiwis. Go the Kiwis. Okay, we've also got a North American 70.3 champs is in Chattanooga, is it? It is. I haven't seen the field for that. And also got a couple of Ironman races, age group only. Ironman Tulsa is on this weekend. Uh, last year it was a pro race because I remember um, we had Cat Matthews getting second behind Daniela Reef uh, and then Axon Provence in France, an age group race over there as well. So good luck if you were doing those events. Okay, uh, John's short course update. We had the World uh, Triathlon Series Yokohama race happen over the weekend. What happened, Jombo? Give me, give me uh, the toss. Yeah, so if you don't want to know the results, just fast forward a couple of minutes and uh, it's up on Triathlon Live. And we had some good, interesting racing, actually. I only really watched the, the run. I was away for the weekend. Um, what was interesting in the females race is they had a breakaway group and George Taylor-Brown takes off on the run. You think, oh, she's just going to spank them. She's probably the best runner out of all of them. And then it all came back together and they were running sort of, you know, five of them together. And then she pulled away again, but it was 
you don't seem to see as much running in groups with the, the females often as you sometimes do with the males. So it was okay. kind of really cool to see. Uh, so George Taylor-Brown ended up pulling away. Leone Perio had a fantastic race for second and Flora Duffy was in third. Uh, so some good close racing. And then on the boys' side of things, um, one of the questions I sort of posed last week was how was old Vincent Louis going to do? Um, because you know, he didn't get an Olympic medal, um, but he's one of the greatest athletes we've seen at short course over the last few years and the answer was he did fantastically out of the oh, swim really? he was leading out of the swim and then he kind of got dropped on the bike which was just a bit weird uh and then he pulled out and apparently he sort of felt like he had his heart rate was sort of racing as he was going through the event so hopefully he is okay and he's not going to be another athlete that succumbs to, to heart issues so then after that all came together and unsurprisingly Alex Yee and Hayden Wild absolutely spanked the rest of the field and no one was even you know close I know they were only sort of maybe 30 seconds back but those two were head and shoulders above everybody else and was it was it a close finish or was Alex oh yeah was, oh was it really yeah yeah, no, they were running. Uh, Hayden Wild basically led the first three quarters of the run, and he was laying it down. And Alex G was was hanging on, but once Alex G hung on and hung on and hung on, you're kind of going, "I think he's got this." And he did. He was able to do a little surge just at the end, and it was literally in the last, uh, you know, coming into the finishing shoot. So you know, 200 meters to go, and Hayden Wild, um, you know, pulled back, pulled back um, in the last sort of 50 meters. So it's you know, says a 10 second gap, but realistic it was uh, only a couple of seconds um, up until that finishing shoot so yep they are the next generation however they are both weak swimmers and Hayden Wild was one of the last out of the swim so he there's a reasonable chance at some events he's going to be um, isolated and he might not be able to um, you know be at the front of the course he'll be able to run a lot of people down but can a swim get good enough I can get good enough for sort of being mid 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 pack. Um, at the moment, he's sort of towards the back of the pack, um, but I don't, I'd be surprised if he can ever get himself up to front pack. Mm, interesting. Uh, it is. It was funny. I was looking on the internet the other day. Some promotion. I think Super League sent through some promotional thing. And Alex, Alex, remember when Brownlee first came out? Even I think when he won his first Olympic medal, he just looked like a little boy, you know. <laughs> you know, there's you see these photos of young Alistair Brownlee, and it's literally like a kid who's still at bloody primary school. And Alex Yee has he's at that stage himself. He's such a young looking person, isn't he? Yeah, definitely is, definitely is. I may have made an error last week. I think when I was talking about Flora Duffy and I was excited to see her being coming back to racing. And I, I might have said, I don't know if I've seen much of her racing since the Olympics. I was completely wrong because I went and looked at her profile and she's done, uh, she did a number of races last year post-Olympics and she won in Montreal. She finished uh, third in Edmonton and then she won in Abu Dhabi uh, and then got third last weekend. So she has got, an amazing set of results and uh yeah when it comes down to a pure running race you know she is just slightly susceptible um but she doesn't look like she's quite at her best but uh good to see her back racing now we also had the la triathlon happening over the weekend and the pto were making a lot of noise around the pro-am uh i see sanders won it on the male side they didn't actually do a release on the female side or did they did it was it not really done like that well it's kind of sanders mi- team was, it, mixed. It was it, they're all they're all mixed teams okay so yeah. I, I don't really get this program stuff, but it's PR. Hey, go for it. Yeah. But one of the cool things that I did see was uh, the, the, the I, I didn't watch the footage, but I just saw a few little clips that went up on Facebook and I saw um, the, the, the 
the picture quality was what really struck out to me. It was like amazing compared to what we normally see. It's like, whoa, that looks super, super clear. And then, um, but they managed to capture a moment where um, Heather Jackson got a puncher and because it was such high quality images, they were able to do that, that super slow-mo and oh, you yeah. kind of see it. And she had um, the goo that can go inside your tires to try oh, yep, to see, yep, yep. You see it. And you saw just the tire explode and the goo going everywhere oh, and really? not sealing and her tire just instantaneously going flat. And she did do quite well to, to hold it because, you know, when you're hammering along on your bars in a straight line and you just get one of those full-on blowouts, not a slow puncher, like a full-on explosion. Um, you do have to have your wits about her. So she did well to hold hold it upright, but it was it was just cool to see that in slow motion. Okay, last week's discussion was maybe one of the most popular discussions we had. We had like nearly 100 comments on it, which is, you know, sometimes we get six. So, so it was a pretty big discussion. The discussion was, having seen how epic the World Championships was at St. George, do you think World Championships alternating between Kona and somewhere else each year would work, as long as there was someone somewhere that had an epic course? And before we get into it, John, just Oliver Norman actually sent through an email. He said, I think it's a great idea. It would be a great, it would open up an opportunity for more people to see the world's best going head to head. Also, you could have an off year in Kona where you could have the charity specials. This would raise money for the athletes like me who are unlikely to qualify for the world championships, but also get to race on a great course and it'd be really special. Yeah, that's good because there's not that many yeses on there. Nathan Scott says no. Phil Allison says no. Michael Rose says nope. Uh, Nikki Davis says no. Kona all the way. And Shanna, Shawnee Boone says no. Uh, however, we do have some that uh, I think it's an okay idea. Emma Kate Gribbon says mix it up. St. George's proof that can still be a brutal course in anyone's race. I'm sure there are other countries that would meet the same specs and variety is the spice of life. Rob Dalymore, who I think we've got coming on the show soon. Uh, Rob Dalymore said, I'd love to visit different locations to race the world champs. I've turned down my slot a few times now just because Kona can get a bit too familiar and increasingly more expensive. So many cool places would be to have the Ironman World Championships like Penticton, Nice, Barcelona, Taupo, um, Tupor, uh, Lake Placid, and I could go on. Yeah. Andrew Dickinson uh, says it might work, but it will lose the magic. Yep, good old uh, Daniel Parlane. Parland has got yes, move it around a bit like the 70.3 World Champs. The sports needs to move on. Kona is a fabulous location, but it's the pro athletes that make the spectacle entertainment, not the venue. So George proved this with two unforgettable races from both male and females. There's an age grouper I've raced Kona twice and St. George last weekend, and I had equally amazing experience at both venues. I don't care where they put the 23 in World Championships. Kona, St. George, Finland, Bolton, I'll sign up wherever it is. Nice. Uh, Wayne Rosso says, uh, didn't it just move? Somewhere closer to the other side of the world would be great. Tony Frost has got, um, from a purely selfish point of view, I'd say, heck no. I've put too much time and effort into getting to Kona to have it shifted to somewhere else. It's the mecca, the ultimate Ironman experience. I can see it from the POV or the regular world champ qualifiers, but who get bored with the same old same. So yeah, I get that point. Uh, Rob Chance, Kona is triathlon. You can't replace the mystique and energy that the island gives you. Racing there is an achievement triathletes strive for. Keep it in Kona. Dan Dixon's got no. This is crazy talk. Needs to stop before the folks at Iron Man start to think it's a good idea. <laughs> and here's the one who was telling Bevan off before, Brian. Brian, uh, who knows 
but it's about time. Bevan needs to learn to pronounce Blumenfeld's name. He's an Olympic champion and now an Ironman world champion. Blue Men Felt, uh, not Blooming Field. I'm sorry, yeah. Matt. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll never again. Never again. He gave you, he gave you a love heart at the end, though. So he wasn't okay. being nasty to you. Okay, good. Thank you very much. You, you guys know name pronunciation is not my strong point. Uh, Gerald Smith's got yes, move it around. Iron Man could still hold a world championship event every year in Kona or an event in Kona every year with the non-world champs years being open for anyone to enter. How many age groupers will never qualify for Kona but would still get the chance to race on the iconic course? Last one I'll do, uh, Joseph Mulhall. It depends if I'm racing or watching. Rotating venues works in other sports, but they tend to be pro-only events. Triathlon is different to that, but also because of that, there is the cost of attending a world championships to consider. Well, Teddy Skew has got a good point here. He's got the sport needs growth and evolution. We keep playing with the right distance for TV, but the truth is Kona is very isolated. Exposure in other areas of the world could boost the entire sports and pros purses worldwide. Making a more profitable career for pros would make them more inclined to participate in media and hyping up races. All hyped up races lately are contrived challenges instead of another race on the calendar. So your thoughts, Sean? Uh, look, I'm, I'm in the, the school of uh, moving it around to iconic locations, and I kind of think every third year in Kona would work well. I know that every third if you're at, wow. yeah, like I'm, I'm thinking you go Kona, St. George, and then Nice. That, yep. I would go, that would be cool. Um, now, I totally get if what you're about an like an, What about like an Asian one? Um, you possibly. know, because you say yeah. Kona's the American one. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, you know, I, I just think it needs to be a real iconic course, and and that's what, it, what I saw from St George was that was awesome. The athletes were saying it was incredible, and it was you know a Kona like challenge. Now, I'd be singing a different tune if I was an age grouper and I'd never been to Kona, yeah. and that's what I was striving for. And those yeah. are the people who are going to miss out. But when you listen to the people that have. You know, they've done the world champs, you know, a couple of times they've been to Kona, they've kind of ticked that box. Like they're, they're ready to, to sort of move on and, and have it in different venues. And if I was in that boat, you know, if I had the finances to say do Kona or do the Ironman world champs every two or three years, there's very few people that do it every year. Um, I would want it to, to be moving around, you know, and I, and I think it would be more of a, a world championships but it would lose that mystique of, of Kona. Um, so, yeah, there's definite downside, but I think it's time to, to move on and, and try to expand things and try to broaden the audience and, and try some different venues. So um, I'm for it. And yeah, I've got absolutely no idea with it which way this is going to go, though. I, I kind of, I'm in the middle because I kind of get both sides of the argument. Um, the only thing I would say is sport needs history. And when we look at, most sports in the world, you know, the sports you don't love that you, but you know a little bit about, you kind of know the iconic thing in that sport. And we all know for those who have raced, so for those who have done an Ironman and we speak to Joe public, you'll kind of, you'll say you've done an Ironman. They go, have you done Hawaii? You know, that's the thing that people who don't know our sport know. And so do you build up that history in the long term by moving around or do you hurt that history and how valuable is that history? And, and I think for a lot of triathletes, like if I was, that person who hadn't, and I can't remember who said this, but who hadn't qualified for Kona before, and you and you go to St. George, sure, it still might be a great experience. And sure, you know, I'm sure the experience is going to be cool, but you would feel undermined. You would oh, feel gutted. It's not the same. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And um, so for me, 
But then I also get, I think it's like, I think it's cool that we can throw around different places. I think it's good for the sport. I like that it can get exposure. Like, you know, imagine having it in Europe, how big that would be for the sport if you've got the world champs, like in a Nice or even in a Germany or somewhere like that. Mm. Um, so it's a bit of a 50-50 for me. I, I'm kind of keep it, happy to keep it how it is, but if they were to change, I wouldn't be too upset. And I'd, but the thing is, I'd quite like it to be set. And I know you can't necessarily say set in stone, but that's where you could build the history. If it just became a rotating circus like the, say, the, the so World Triathlon does, then, yeah, you don't build that history. But St. George, that can build up to be an iconic venue going, if I want a bloody super hard Ironman World Championships, that's where I'm going. But then if you're doing and every three years, so, you know, realistically, it's going to take 10 years before you've gone to each place three times. So it's quite mm. a long time to build that history. Mm. So, yeah, I, 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 I like the idea of moving around. And uh, if I was racing the world champs regularly, I'd want it moving around. If I was going to do it for the first time, I'd probably be uh, waiting out to try to qualify for a year that was going to be in Kona. But as I said, who knows which way this is going to go? I'm, I'm intrigued to see what happens. I think, I think one thing to recognize is that as a fan, I want to see it moved around. Hmm. As a yes. participant, I would probably prefer it stayed in Kona. Hmm. You know, and because I get you like the Rob Dalimo who's done it lots. But let's be honest, most of the field in Kona haven't done it lots. You know, yeah. most of the field in Kona are, you know, once or twice in their career they get there. So mm-hmm. I think for, for a participant, I think most participants are probably going to say, nah, keep it where it is. As a fan, I'm thinking it's cool to see it in different courses. A, also not just seeing it in different courses, it also gives us the ability to see different athletes excel on different courses. So, yeah, interesting times. Okay, this week's discussion. This week's discussion is what do you think the wide card, wild card criteria should be for pros who miss out qualifying for Kona? Should you give a spot to Brownlee if he misses out or Lucy Charles if she's over her injury um, leading up to Kona this year? I'm quite intrigued about this because there is, from from what I could see, and I may not have searched hard enough, uh, the wild card is completely discretionary. So it's um, and it tends to be for like yeah. you know, like if the Olympic gold medalist because they did give it to the no, um, that, that's not that's not a wild card. I think they've I think they've got that in there as a criteria. Maybe I could be wrong there, but so what do you call if it's not a wild card? Well, I think they just automatically invite Olympic champions. Oh, do they? But, uh, this year is, is yeah, I think these circumstances could be called upon because Lucy Charles, yeah, we really want to see her racing. Oh, do, you think, the, do you think they'll do it? Well, I, if I was in these shoes, I would. Lucy Charles, she's a world 70.3 champion. She's going to add a lot of spice to the race. Chances are she's highly likely she's not going to have time to get a, an Ironman done before Kona if, is, in fact, is she unfair? is even ready for Kona. Well, life's unfair. Bevan, is it unfair that the, 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 is it unfair that the world champion from the previous year gets a slot? Um, so, and then likewise with Brownlee, you know, he he, who knows what's going to happen with him? He's going to have to go do an Ironman. If he, I don't know, if he got a little injury, would you invite him? So that's the intriguing question. I don't think they've ever used the wild card yet. Yes, they've invited the Olympic champions, but they haven't used it in special circumstances. From what I can gather um in terms of if someone was injured or just i don't know it's an interesting precedent but doesn't it because if you do do it lucy and brownlee potentially could win the race mm. what, what level of person do you say well they're not good enough <laughs> you know where's, yeah. you know, where's that yeah. line well lionel sanders you know um 
was it either last year or the year before, he was racing all over the bloody world to try to get his Kona slot, and then Kona didn't even happen, or was that the year before? But in that circumstances, he had to go and do all sorts of races to, to try to qualify. So is he worthy enough, or are these guys worthy enough? You know, what are the criteria? So that's the question for this week. There we go. Okay, uh, that's this week's question. Uh, now, next up, John's quiz question. Oh, I just thought of this one yesterday, Bevan. How long has Super League been around for? Yeah, that's a really good question. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna think about that. And we'll get to this. So the question is, when was the first Super League race? That's the question. I know. To answer. I know where it was. I think a lot of people will know where it was. Oh, when? I said, to, sorry, sorry. When? Yeah, but but where? Uh, when was it? Yeah, okay, interesting. Hey, hey, of the week. week. We're gonna choose some athletes from the 18 to 39 age group in the world championships that happened in St. George. So we'll do those two age groups or um, was it three age we'll, groups? We'll go, through, we'll go through a few age groups. I just thought we need to give some love to those that, you know. We've got six minutes, John. We've got, we've got six minutes. So we have to fly through okay. this. Uh, for first one in the female 20, 18 to 24, Julia Iglesias from Brazil. She won by nearly two hours. In 10 hours, 46. Now, there was only four in the age group. Hey, you got to go do, do it. And she won it in 10.46. I've got Jameson Pughes from Canada took out the 18 to 24, but a really close race. Only won it by 22 seconds over Parker Kurth from the United States. So that was a very interesting race. And the female 25 to 29, she won by about 16 minutes. Correa Mullenberg from, I'm pretty sure my flag's correct here. I think that's the Dutch flag. So good on her. But Justin Riley had it almost a dojo domination from America. He did an eight, oh, sorry, 9.08.35, winning by about 17 minutes over Thomas Davies from the UK, and that was in the 25 to 29 category. Uh, female 30-34, another Dutchie, um, Marlene De Boer. She won it in 9.43, very solid on that course, and she won by half an hour in front uh, of Alice Roberts from America. Nice work. Oh, good old Kiwi boy, good old Matt Kerr. Took out maybe one of the biggest categories in the race, 30 to 34, in a time of 8.40.22. That was the win. Uh, yeah, he, he won over, he was the fastest age grouper overall as well. That's a great, what an amazing, well done, Matt, you rock star. Yeah, very nice. Uh, and on the females, 35 to 39, we had another Kiwi, Vanessa Murray, took that out in 10.07, winning by just about seven minutes in front of a, an Irish uh, Hillary Hughes and American Megan Finlow in third. And then in the 35 to 39, in the male, we had Eric Angle, uh, and he did an 8.49.11, 28th overall in the whole race. So blimmin' good effort. That's, that's smoking fast. Nice work. So next week, maybe we'll do the rest of them, Yombo. Exactly. Got to give the 40 pluses some love. Yeah, loving it. Loving it. Absolutely loving it. We didn't actually figure out how many age groupers were doing the race, did we? No, but let's let's take an example there. Or if we, let's, let's look in the, the, I know we're not going to do the winners of this, but the 40 to 44 age group, it looked like there was 446 in that age group. So I think there was about 3,300. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure if that was entered or finished, but I'm pretty sure that's the number that I saw. Oh, that's a good number. That's what we want. Holy crap, balls. Eight hours, 40 to win the 40 to 44 age group. That's pretty solid. It is smoking. Okay, Jonbo, let's go to our interview. Who we got? We are talking to Fenella Langridge, finished eighth at St. George amongst a whole bunch of other fantastic results. So here comes Fenella. Here he is, or she is, right now. Righto. Okay, team, um, we've got a fantastic guest on today, Fenella Langridge from the UK, part of the 
I don't know how many amazing female athletes are coming out of the UK, but she's had a really good start to 2022 with a win at Challenge Salou and a really good eighth place since St George. Um, she's been racing long course pro triathlon since 2017 with three 70.3 or heart mitts or middle distance wins, lots of podiums. Um, so welcome along to the show, Fenella. Thank you, guys, and what an introduction, and thanks for having me. I'm waking up. <laughs> extra early by the second of it <laughs> yes not too bad bloody european time zones and, and uk is not not the greatest <laughs> at this time of the year but we we cope um look I've, I've seen you do you know plenty of races and stuff and obviously it looks like you maybe came from a from a swing background prior to triathlon given you you're sort of generally um at the front or very close to the front of the race i think most people would think that but i wasn't i swam as as a as a kid um but never that competitively. I was just there for the social, um, to talk with my friends in the showers for hours after training in the morning. Uh, I mainly did, or I just did a bit of everything. Like, I guess most people swam, ran, played hockey at pretty high level, gymnastics, um, a little bit of everything and didn't probably took hockey the most seriously, uh, but didn't turn to, to commit to triathlon until my final year at university yeah it looked like you you sort of dabbled a bit in short course for for a couple of years sort of 2015 through to 2017 looks like you had some some okay results on on sort of the european cup cup events i didn't see any sort of world triathlon series races but was, was short course not for you or you know what 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 sort of made you gravitate to the longer stuff yeah so it was it was maybe coincidence or just how things developed that when I started triathlon as the Welsh Development Centre was getting set up at the university which I was at Cardiff Met and I just went straight into the short stuff so I yeah like you said I did European well I did the British Super Series which is the level below um European Cups here in the UK which gets you into European Cups probably did two three years of racing European Cups at a semi-decent level which got me to a position where I could have competed at World Cups and then potentially WTS with the maybe potential of going to Commonwealth Games but just the way that things were in our lives and the are still working at that time trying to juggle uh, 20 hours working week with 20 plus hours of training and I needed to make a decision of what to do so I wanted to become a full-time athlete and my partner Bill wanted to commit to coaching full-time so we had to say no to the house that we were paying rent on and the bills that were playing in Cardiff and move back home with my mum where we still are today. Yeah, it's um we're we're currently having a, a big debate in in New Zealand around sort of high performance centres and cultures and things like that. Um, we've had a lot of bit of tragedy down here. I mean, um, how how did you do? You kind of think it works in the UK? What what works well in the UK in terms of sort of those? Do they have quite centralised models where you kind of got to go and live in the program and be one hundred percent committed if you're going down that short course um, path? Is that how it works over there? Uh, I would say so. I think there's four centres or like 
yeah, I would say centres in in the UK, um, which probably would help or progress your career in the short course racing. I think a few athletes have done it from outside, but you do need the guidance and help and maybe the <laughs> I could say politics yeah. of the the British Triathlon led centres or coaches to help you progress to the next step. And I, I don't know, I guess there's positive and negative to doing it either way. But once for definitely for short course racing, I think it does help being in those environments because of the dynamics of racing and the, that like hand in hand with the dynamics of training in terms of they can go out and do crit types of sessions or mm. they can go and do track workouts together. And it's not ideal that, um, yeah, it, it doesn't lend itself as much to the longer distance type of racing maybe. With, with your, you know, your life, you're now a full-time triathlete. Um, what, what pathway were you on before this became the thing for you in your life? Where were you kind of looking, going with your career? I had no idea. <laughs> so I was doing a sports science degree, but I'd put anything in the works. Well, I'd personal training or going to go join the army or going to go into teaching or... I don't know I loved hospitality so maybe going down that route a bit more but I didn't really I didn't really know <laughs> yeah. yeah so you so you got it's quite nice that you found this then isn't it you know like it, you know because yeah obviously your movement was your buzz so it's quite nice you found a professional career yeah yeah and it and I think it just I think before I went to university I didn't even consider professional sport as a profession for me not that I just never even thought it would be possible, but being in that type of environment and seeing other athletes making a career of it and just doing something they're really passionate about and the place it takes you and the people you see, I just, I suppose, thought even if it was for a couple of years, let's just give it a crack. And Mm. here I am, however many years later still. So giving it a crack. <laughs> <laughs> so, so 2018, 2019, you, you looked to do really well in, in 70.3s. You know, had lots of podiums. Um, won Edinburgh 70.3, um, had podiums in Barcelona and France and, and sort of carried that on into 2019. And obviously COVID, you, I mean, you still got a couple of races in 2020, but mm-hmm. um, COVID kind of wiped that out. So what, but then since then, you've, um, you've sort of, gravitated a bit more towards doing some falls with a third place at Challenge Road last year, um, Ironman Mallorca, and obviously the, the world champs recently. So what sort of made you... In Coeur d'Alene. yes, indeed. <laughs> um, what um, what made you gravitate towards the, the longer stuff? Was it, you know, did you feel that was going to be a strength for you or was it just kind of a, a natural progression? I think I've always known it's something that I wanted to do and I thought it would be a strength but um the way it came about maybe was a little bit uh a bit of a whim I'd been carrying a slight niggle in 2021 or the beginning of 2021 when races started kicking off and I couldn't I didn't want to push my run 
Um, and I knew that if I wanted to be competitive in the 70.3, I needed to be doing speed work. So we kind of put a limit on the amount of running we do or the running intensity we do. And then we focused more on aiming towards uh, full distance. So it was probably only gave ourselves, say, six weeks to prepare for our first fall with a bit of naivety and just hoping that the fitness that we've developed from running and uh, cycling would pull through and I'd be able to put something together knowing that your first Ironman is always is never really going to be pretty and it's yeah. going to be hard either way and then yeah I really enjoyed it saw the buzz and camaraderie and the atmosphere and just it's a war of attrition and it's a totally different ball game to the 70.3 um but yeah I, I loved it and I wanted to do more of it so yeah from Cordelaine we went to Roth and then we went to Mallorca and then that got me to world champs this year nice and I'm in Cordelaine on debut 10 seconds or 11 seconds under the nine hour barrier so not not too shabby <laughs> with this with an 859 49 did, did you have that any particular time in mind and did you know that you were just under nine or were you just sort of focusing on getting to second place so I remember watching that because Lisa Norden was um I think she may be blew up from memory but I, I think you were maybe sitting in third so was that um was the sub nine on on the cards and did you know sort of where you were positioned um I was always um, ambitious and wanted a sub nine um but I didn't even look at the clock until after and then someone told me you're like you just scraped under and I was like wow that could have gone either way if I just <laughs> stopped to give someone a high five or something yeah. but I was leading pretty much the whole day up until well I'd say uh, it was the two speed swimmers um out in front and then I overtook them for uh, early on in the bike and then led most of the bike and then it was um Kerry Lester who overtook me on the run uh, at the halfway point but because I'd only run about for max about an hour and a half an hour and 45 before the race I knew that moment probably would come I just didn't I expected it to be sooner in the race so yeah. I was quite happy to get to over halfway without being overtaken Very and then yeah solid. just keep going on until the end yeah. in very hot conditions <laughs> I actually actually I remember that and I was I think I was thinking of Lake Placid with Lisa Norton but yeah. I had a an athlete that I was Lisa coaching Sarah and um, Heather it was that's right Lake Placid. yeah and I remember yeah. in uh in Coeur Lane, I was coaching an athlete there and I said I saw the forecast and I said look during the run just go and jump in the lake you know it's going to cost you two couple of minutes but just go and jump in the lake just to try to cool oh, that's down so funny. yeah um I think it was worth like it obviously was hot and I think I just mentally prepared for that and knew what I was going to do like ice everywhere but I didn't find it too bad when I was out on course and um, it was afterwards that I felt like when you're stopped it felt worse yeah. And Bill told me afterwards that he had to, I think he suffered more than I did. But he was like, 
he was cycling around cheering on the run he said i had to jump in the lake at every <laughs> <opportunity>. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw um an interview you did with bob babbitt um just before challenge miami in 2021 and you commented you consistently wanted to be doing the the big championship races um so is that a, is that still a focus for you know, that was over over a year ago is that more of a focus for you going i want to go to world champs i want to go to championship races as opposed to necessarily going to other races where you've probably got a reasonably strong chance of winning so are you sort of more focused on the championship races than than sort of uh necessarily cherry picking other events yeah i think in yeah i like to be where the top athletes are and really like challenging myself and often they do take you to pretty cool and unique places um maybe uh, i don't know in three years time that might change and i might want to go and race uh, further afield and more like exotic places that you don't normally get to um i don't think it would ever be for the money or the like podium potential it would just be to go to nicer places and mm. see and travel the world but at the moment at this point of my career i think I want to be yeah, racing the best at the most competitive races. And I think that's where you get the most out of yourself. Mm. Look like yeah, Bob, sure look like Bob might've cursed you in that race. I don't know if uh, it was before the Miami 70.3, I think. Did you DNF there? Yeah, that was the beginning of the um, hamstring issue of oh. the, that lasted. I don't, I don't even know what it was now. It just like kind of a, a nerve thing or um, it was the pain just, was odd it, one minute it was there the next minute it wasn't and then yeah it was a it all started in Miami and lasted a good few months so St George so you know obviously you had a top 10 performance be pretty stoked of that what were your expectations going into it kind of before race day uh, I was realistic in the fact that I knew this was my first Ironman world championships and it's an Ironman and anything could happen yeah. But I was hoping for, well, like, I think a top 10 would be nice. A top five would be amazing. And then a podium would be like, I don't know, what's more than amazing? Like, phenomenal. Yeah. And yeah, so I think that's what it was. So I am, I'm happy, I'm content, but I'm not satisfied. That's for sure. Well, going into the swim, how did you find the swim? Did you find it cold? And, and talk us through your swim. I didn't find it too cold, actually. Uh, I didn't know if I was quite more. It was quite warm on the morning of the race, or um, but yeah, I got into the water and the warm up, and it was quite refreshing. It was it was nice. So obviously, you can't use the cold, freezing cold hands as an excuse for for T one. No, that was not an excuse. <laughs> it was just, I don't know. I, I, you, well, I've, I don't know how many times I've undone my wetsuit and that's never happened before. So, and hopefully it will never happen again. But yeah, it's just one of those things. And it felt like forever. And every person I spoke to after the race says the same thing. They were just screaming yeah. at the TV, praying <laughs> that I would be able to get it undone. But um, yeah, I, I'm not sure what I maybe I just pulled it the wrong way the first 
the first pull or too hard um I'm not sure it just it was very stressful 30 to 40 seconds which felt like forever and especially when you watch when you when you do come out second in the swim and you make a little bit of a gap on Lisa and then you see her come into transition do everything she needs to do and then go off and you're still there stood in your wetsuit you're like oh my gosh yeah um deep breath and then just logically trying to think the best way to solve or rectify the situation without screaming <laughs> I think if everyone everyone was willing you on <laughs> uh, it was it was yeah it what's it like having that. um you know because you haven't necessarily come through the ranks in terms of um high performance triathlon and and sort of individual discipline sounds like you're a very good hockey player um what's it like knowing you've got all the eyes and stuff on you and maybe maybe in that moment or, or in other moments where you've either had a, a you know maybe not such, such such a great day do you do you feel like the eyes are on you and and do you feel any sort of criticism you might sometimes get in events um i i guess you when you're racing you're there to perform and that's what makes it it is a performance and like you kind of got to expect the eyes to be on you and it's kind of exciting and it's what makes it interesting and it makes it makes our job what it is um and you've got to take the good with the bad in terms of any criticism that might come with it obviously it's not always going to be sunshine and roses but I don't know I think I, I would take it okay luckily I haven't had anything too too much criticism to date but yeah it's I don't think I think about it too much I just want to put on a good show and a and make it entertaining for everybody when I'm racing <laughs> talk us through the rest of the day you know how did this race kind of work in contrast to the races like Coeur and and Rote and stuff like that you know how did the rest of the day go outside the swim once you got that wetsuit off you know? <laughs> <laughs> once that wetsuit was off <laughs> I had to try and forget about it <laughs> yeah um and then I was on my own for the first um chunk of the ride until about night well I had the first out and back and then a group the the leading group ended up being um with Daniela uh Kat and sky overtook me on the hill i didn't feel great that first hour and i did try to go with them but it was it's an well less than an hour into the ride i was didn't want to maybe maybe i was too reserved i'm not sure but i didn't want to burn all my matches knowing that i've still got four hours of riding left um they never got too far away from me in that beginning bit so i had them in sight knowing that i was still riding strong enough um and then yeah the first the rest till about 100k I was just riding on my own trying to ride as well as I could staying as aero when I needed to be using that speed on the downhills when I could um and then around that 100k Annie Haug and um American her name's gone from me um she wrote one texas the week before oh um, jocelyn mccauley yeah sorry jocelyn uh yeah. they rode past me and i stayed with them for the majority of the rest of the ride until we caught up sky 
And then unfortunately, another mistake on my behalf, um, we were going through some the rollings uh, downhills back to the turning point to go to Snow Canyon. And I just drifted into that, into that drafts in in well into the draft zone after being extra cautious the whole ride and the <laughs> moto was right there and I got a a um time penalty which isn't what you want or what you or in a race like world champs you can't make any mistakes and making two with your wetsuit and a time penalty you're already putting yourself on the back foot so had to take it straight away um according to the rules of what they said in um in race briefing which maybe well they said that in race briefing but after looking back at the rules online that I could have taken that penalty any anywhere but anyway mm-hmm. um and I would have liked to have done Snow Canyon with them to then descend back into town and taken it at the last one but I didn't and then yeah the rest of the ride well, the last up Snow Canyon down back into town was on my own. And then it was time to run and try and forget another mistake that I'd made. I thought you were about to say you made a mistake and crashed into something. No. Um, <laughs> and and so how did how did the run pan out? You know, we we've heard from we heard up from a whole bunch of age groupers last week um, on our podcast and and we've obviously seen quite a few of the pro interviews, but but how did you sort of find the run and and also just the course overall? Um, the course overall, like, although maybe it wasn't my perfect race and I maybe don't look back on it as the fondest of memories of what I did, but it was pretty epic. Like, there's those pinch me moments when you look up and you're like, this is amazing. I'm at a world champs and this course is beautiful and it's just got a bit of everything, like the speeds you got up to and the climbs and just the richness of the colors around it was it was sorry pardon me pretty epic um the run was yeah challenging um it was it didn't feel too it it was hot at that point at the wind had picked up which could help depending on or help or hinder depending on which way you're running into the wind but you knew what you were you knew what you were in for. You knew it was going to be hilly. There's no flat. So you just had to grin, grin and bear it. So it was interesting. You're only a minute behind your good mate, good old Laura Siddell. Um, yeah. You guys seem to have a few battles. Uh, and was it like, you know, on the day, you know, we had, how would that go down? It was it was so great to have, well, to begin with, I was chasing. So I managed to bridge the gap and on that final out and back um on that final yeah I caught her just after the final turn um and I don't think either of you are feeling that great at that point but I think at that moment she was feeling worse and then suddenly it turned around and I was feeling worse and I couldn't move my legs up that it it was a final um bit before you do the last descent and it just cranks up the percentage and she managed to pull away and then I didn't well I did see her again but I couldn't get that distance back on that downhill she had a little bit more momentum than I did and yeah it was just running home as as quickly as you can hoping that the person behind me uh 
wasn't so close. I thought I, it was Heather, I think, and I think oh, we had, it was yeah, close. Yeah. But then it, I think that, that switched over. So I think I had a, a decent gap, but I didn't know that at the time. So I was just like, I've just got to keep going. Yeah. So it didn't sound like a, a perfect race, but still eighth at the World Champs is, is pretty awesome. Moves you up the, the world rankings, probably still only has you in about bloody 500th place on the, the t- bloody <laughs> the European team for the Collins Cup. It's like, oh, geez, I know. get eighth in the world and you, you're not even, you're probably still, um, I think I counted yesterday, you, you, you're still you know a little way down in the European rankings, but on the, heading in the right direction, which is great. Yeah. Um, in the right direction. <laughs> but but obviously it got you the, the Kona slot. So is that going to be taken and is that going to be uh, a big focus for the rest of the year? Yeah, I'm going to take it, but I'm still a little undecided on I do want to do the second half of the year with the PTO races being quite exciting. Um, I'm not sure if I want to focus on those solely. Um, or... I think with Kona, you have to put all your eggs in one basket and really commit to it just because of the challenging demands that it takes. Um, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm unsure. And there's, well, I've, some people say it might be the last Kona. So I don't want to miss out on that seeing <sighs> as I've never raced there before. Yeah. Um, so I'm a bit, I'm still umming and ahhing of what I want to do. Um, but yeah, I've got, I've got Samarin this weekend and then I've got Challenge Rote. And then, yeah, I've got a little bit of time to decide what I definitely want to focus on for the second half of the year. And, and so how's the career sort of panning out now? You know, it's bloody really tough being in the UK because you've got so many good females. So to get you, you know, get some attention over there in terms of a sponsorship side of things, it's probably pretty tough, but you know, um, you sort of said you made the move, you know, a few years ago and, and obviously we had the COVID disruptions, but you know, you're starting to get some good results now. So is the career sort of progressing in the, the way that you want it to? And is it sort of a, you know, turning into what's a, you know, a sustainable professional career for you? Yeah, it is. Um, we're no longer breaking even. We're probably making a bit more than we were. And I think that's with the help of PTO and the exposure and more people being, maybe COVID helped that more people are interested in endurance events and challenges and things outside the norm. Um, sponsorship still is hard to come by, but once you've got it and you've built that relationship it's it's great thing to have and I think I've got a solid foundation and hopefully build on that within the years to come as I progress even more in the sport. Any other news you're going to want to kind of get out there um any you know like you want to you want to promote or any kind of sponsors you want to plug or anything like that? Uh not you put me on the spot. Where do people follow you? Yeah, uh, uh, I'm Fennel Language on Instagram. I've got YouTube. Um, it's not so up to date. I'm still working on it. Um, but yeah, just follow along. It's lighthearted, fun journey. Um, no, I ask on that front, just with like the social media job nowadays. Does that, does that feel like a commitment that you have to do or is it something you just enjoy doing on the side? Um, a bit of both, depending on your mood or how you're feeling. Like 
when life's good the Instagram or the social media can flow but when you're in a little bit of a rut it's it does become a little bit more challenging so um or just yeah and sometimes um yeah just and and getting the content and making sure that it's you don't want it to be too I don't know generic or and, and I want it to be authentic in me and and hopefully that does come across but um yeah it, it's not it's not hard it, like it's just part and parcel of how sport and professional lip of professional athletes lives have moved and it's it's a good thing because you can share what you get up to and it's easy for your sponsors and it's without it I don't think um the sport would be where it is now so mm. a few random questions um what's your what's yeah. your race morning breakfast oh uh either oats or rice and then some bread and jam or something like that nice and simple what, what do you what do you consume during the race like run it run us through your say your st george nutrition plan and, and how well you executed that so it starts off with a gel before the swim and then on the bike I aim to have about uh, 90 to 100 grams of carbohydrates per hour um, and then on the run it will be probably a, or a 30 gram gel equivalent every 20 minutes. Um, and then taking salt tabs and then we we're lucky in St. George that we had pro aid stations on the bike. So we were able to put some of our own fluid down. So in St. George, that was some precision fuel hydration, um, electrolytes and strap some salt tabs to those as well. Nice. Very good. Uh, just on the training front, what's, what's your, your, maybe a couple of your absolute favorite training sessions? Um, Swim would be, it'd probably be a mixed set, which I normally do leading into races. Um, so it'd have some VO2, like get out speed. So it'd be something like 250s VO2 going into 100 VO2, then trying to settle into like your threshold pace for, I don't know, depending on what I was aiming for, and then maybe do that twice, twice through yeah. a bike set. I just love a long ride. Yeah. Um, any long ride with the ocean by side, you can't get much better. And uh, run again, um, long runs in the forest. <laughs> nice. Just on my own, <laughs> no one else around, just you and Mother Nature just rocking out. And when you're in a race and you're sort of going through, you know, tough moments, it's get, you know, it's you no know, different for age groupers and for for pros. When it's getting tough, what's what's sort of going through your mind? How do you how do you sort of keep yourself on track? Um, and any mantras or anything like that you use? Uh, I probably think about all the people watching, or all the people that couldn't be here, or people at home that have helped me or sacrificed just as much as I have to get get me to that start line um 
or all the things you said <laughs> yeah no to when you really wanted to say yes and yeah. make those those moments worthwhile awesome oh good luck for um samarin this weekend and, and challenge Thank race you you've got much. some a couple of big races coming up and we'll look forward yeah. to seeing you in the, the ptos and uh and maybe yes. smashing it out in kona as well Thank on. you very much awesome. thanks for your time for now <laughs> cheers guys thank you Bye. okay john your thoughts ah oh, she's just another one of those awesome unassuming um yeah. british athletes that's just uh smoking it and still got more in the tank when you can finish eighth with a drafting penalty and a palaver coming out of the swim uh there's a bit more in the tank there and sounds like yeah not overly satisfied with your race. So look out for her in Kona and also this weekend and also at Rote where she finished in, I think it was third last year. So uh, a lady on the rise. A lady on the rise. Watch out for that name. Okay, let's go. Winner of the week. week. And we've got Daniel Brewster and he lives in Hanoi in Vietnam, John. He does. He did 12 hours and 30 minutes of training last week from nine activities. He lost a place. He was 94th on our leaderboard yesterday, but he's lost a place to somebody whose uh, file has been updated. Swam three hours and five minutes, spiked six hours and 10 minutes, and ran three hours and 14 minutes. Can't say I've ever been to Hanoi, um, but I think it's a cool, kind of cool place to do. And he also raced in the 70.3 over there. I think it was, I was looking at this yesterday. I think it was the weekend before before last. Uh, and so it's cool that they've got some racing in Asia because I know in a lot of places in Asia, the racing is still few and far between. And he did the 70.3 Da Nang. Uh, the run was 21.63 kilometers. And I'm sure it was bloody toasty. Did about two hours for that. Uh, and then the bike ride did uh, 89.8 kilometers, so nice and accurate. Two hours 23 for that, and the swim was uh, 32 minutes. So I think he did just a few seconds over five hours. It's a big volume at the moment, 16-hour weeks at the moment. He's doing seven hours of biking, about five, four and a half hours of running, four hours of swimming. Mm, boys, nice. He's putting the big yards. Very good. Longest bike ride he's done, 217.8 kilometers. And uh, yeah, biggest climb, 1,000 meters. So nice work on doing 70.3 last weekend. And looks like he's got a little bubba running around as well. So fitting in work and I guess training and everything as well as being a dad. So Daniel Brewster, you are our winner of the week. week. Okay, John, but let's go to this question of yours. Who was... What year was the first Super League raced race? Now, I do remember it was the island one, wasn't it? Was that the, was that the one that was on the island? Was it on... Um... It was up in uh, sort of in Queensland, uh, yeah. Hamilton, Hamilton Island, which is Hamilton up, Island, of... Torrenzo Bazzoni. That first one, they tried to do a mix of Ironman and short course, remember? Yeah, they all got absolutely spanked. Yeah, yeah they did. So I remember yeah. Torrenzo raced it. I'm going to say, I think it was... 20, is it 14 or 15? 14. No, well, well after that, I'm sure of it. Because I reckon the, one of the venues where they have been going to consistently is Jersey. Um, that's the one sort of location they seem to be gone every year. We've been all over other places. We've had Malta, we've had Singapore, we've had Hamilton Island, um, and we're going to different venues. We've had Munich. Um, but I seem to think that in Jersey, they've been there 
at least three times, maybe four, and that was in the sort of the second year. So I'm, and I'm pretty sure it was after the Rio Olympics, which was 2016. So I'm pitching for either the end of 2016 or the start of 2017. Well, you can't, you can't pitch for two. What are you going with? Okay, I am going to go. I'm going to tell you, one of them's right. Yeah, I'm going to go for the, did they do it at the start of the season or the end of the season? I'm going to go the uh, start of 2017. Oh, John Newsom, You got it right. Oh, there we go. No cheating either. That's a good yeah. word. Oh, so I thought, because at that stage, Trenzo was in still really good form, isn't he? You know? Well, I've got no idea what happened, has happened to Trenzo because I thought, yeah. I wonder what he's up to. And we've got no social media or anything like that. He hasn't done any racing in New Zealand since COVID. We haven't seen any retirement announcements, although that wouldn't be entirely surprising if, that, if he has retired. But he hasn't done that. Yeah, I just don't know what's happened to him. Yeah, so you go to 27, so it's only been around four or five years. Mm. And plus a, a year hiatus in there when yeah. the Arena Games came along. Um, the thing is, yeah, I just I was basically on Trenzo being informed. That's, and I thought it was longer ago. That's why I went so far back. I did think I was probably being a bit too far back, but yeah, interesting. I just it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next few years because what they, they really need is they need to have all the top guns there for all the races. And yeah. what we've kind of seen a little bit of is not all the top guns are going to, especially the arena games, which is a bit different, but in terms of, you know, um, they seem to get all the, uh, most of the top females, but not all. And I think for it to be a success, um, as we saw in those first few events, they need to have it completely stacked um, for every race of, of, the, of the season. So we'll see how that, um, how that moves forward. Okay, John, your swim set. Uh, right, back in the pool this morning. I only swam once last week, which was a bit depressing. Uh, what did we do this morning? We did a, for our warm-up, it was 300 warm-up, two 100 individual medleys and 100 kick. And then the main set was kind of a bit of a ladder up. We went 100 steady, 100 moderate, 200 steady, 200 moderate, 300 steady, 300 moderate, 400 steady, 400 moderate. Um, and then we had 200 easy. And then three, two, three times 100, um, as hard as you could, on the two minutes, that's giving us quite a bit of rest, you know, sort of 45 odd seconds rest, and then 200 warm down, and that was 3.3 kilometers. There you go. Okay, John, let's say thank you to our patrons. I'll go first. Adam the King Turner. Paul Darth Plagius Yoda. We've got Roger the Dodge Dooley. Now, nice. we do want to say a big thank you to our patrons. And if you are a patron, thank you very much. And you've gone into the draw to win a prize from one of our, our patron partners. And we've actually got two prizes we're giving away this week, John. So what are we doing here? We have. So World Triathlon Store, um, all our patrons are in the draw to win um, a quarterly draw of a $200 voucher or a refund if you've purchased anything previously from the World Triathlon Store in, in recent times. Uh, so it's a great way to support the podcast by getting some of their gear. You go to imtalk.me, click on the store, and we've got all the IM Talk gear in different colors, the luminescent, the pink, and the blue, original blue really range. Good gear. Yeah. I, really I wear my, um, especially I've got one of the, the the Lumo tops, so it's you know bright yellow, and I just find myself these days um, wearing more and more bright stuff to make sure that I'm visible out on the road, especially as we're going into this time of the year over here, where it's um, yeah certainly going into autumn, and God, winter's only a couple of weeks away, yeah. so I definitely find myself wearing um, bright gear a lot more often. So and guys, got a winner here, John uh, Anthony Weeks, long train running. 
He is he wins the two hundred dollar voucher for or refund for the World Triathlon Store. So congratulations, Anthony. We aren't giving away anything for Profile Design this week, but we do want to say thank you to Profile Design. They are hydration, wheels, storage, aero bars, stems, handlebars. If you're doing long course racing and you haven't got a front bottle system, get one because it makes you way more efficient, way more streamlined. And it's a good way of getting your, your your fluid in. Also, remember we did the interview of David Bowden last year, and he was talking about how much time you can make just by using good things like that in your system so go to profile dash or, or slash design.com to check out everything that they can provide now we haven't got anything to give away this week but what we have got to give away soon is a pair of their awesome wheels so they've got oh, a really? gmr 50 carbon wheels so this is only for patrons so you sign up all it is is like a coffee a month so you've got the five dollar level got ten dollar level twenty dollar level um if you come in at the 10 or the 20 you get a little gift you know we've got some uh, swim caps and some i am talk beanies so get in and be in a chance to win some wheels that is coming up soon and i'm pretty excited because i'm off today to get uh, i've got a new hydration system being installed as we speak so i'm going to be going out for a ride this afternoon with one of their awesome new hydration systems that I'll be cranking out in Kona. So looking forward to that. Okay, the last thing is Magic 5 Custom Fit Swim Goggles. Check out the magic5.com, the custom fit. What they do is they scan your face using your phone. And then what they do is they design goggles that work just for you. Uh, for those people who really struggle with leaky goggles or ill-fitting goggles, they're absolutely awesome. And also they're pretty reasonably priced. For $200 New Zealand, you get three pair, which is pretty phenomenal. Um, also, Yarn uses them. So if Yarn uses them, they must be good. Who won this one, John? They have. We've got uh, Lee Twenty Eyes Spore, and I actually uh, he didn't need twenty pairs. He does. Or ten pairs. Does. <laughs> Funny you say that because I emailed him yesterday, say hey, saying hey, you've won, uh, and actually said he's already got some Magic Five goggles and absolutely loves them. Uh, yeah. So uh, one of the things I was thinking this morning when I was swimming is that the the, um, the peripheral vision you get from them is so much better than other goggles. Um, just the way they're designed, you've kind of got a lot better spatial awareness oh, than, really? than, than I find. So they are really good. So check them out, magic5.com. If you do want to become a patron of the show, go www.imtalk.me, go through the process. It's all pretty simple. Basically, what we do is every time we release, or every month, you basically donate some money to us, and it just supports us in what we're doing. If you want some coaching, go to coachjohnnewson.com. If you want to check out my podcast, go to Bevan James Isles. Actually, I did one yesterday on the All Blacks High Performance Triangle, which is pretty interesting. Uh, so if you want to think about high performance, you can check out my latest episode. Also, we have other content, such as group of week, cool websites, and other feedback. I am talk podcast at Gmail. Com. John, your goss. Well, I hope those All Blacks are getting that triangle nice and sharp because we're, we're not uh, we're not taking the world by storm at the moment. So hopefully no, they're, they're on This is it. a really important year for us, isn't it? Mm. Uh, what's my goss, Bevan? Went away for the weekend uh, down to Queenstown. Great, great place to go. Oh, that's right. A, the romantic weekend. Romantic weekend was fantastic. Um, did a couple of really good walks. Highly recommend if you go to Queenstown, it's probably more for our Kiwi listeners. There's a walk you can do behind Queenstown that I've never done before. I don't know how many times I've been there, never even knew it existed. It's called the Queenstown Hill Walkway. So um, where, where we can't go. It's just directly behind the main part of Queenstown. So is, is that when you actually walk up underneath the gondola? No, no, the other direction. So directly straight away from walk straight away from town behind directly up you have to look it up yeah. uh but really good walkway nice yeah. beautiful nice. views and we did that down there that was awesome where'd you go out for dinner blue canoe and my wife let me out to hang me left me out to drive even it was oh, just it was ridiculous happened? i 
of just about vomiting by the time we left. I had to eat so much because we we that's ordered right. and we, we probably ordered a little bit too much. And she just bailed out, you know, halfway through and said, that's it, I'm done. And I said, what? I've got like three quarters of this ginormous curry to eat and this other food. And oh my God, I was so full leaving. No, no, uh, no, no, was, no kind of concept of stopping. Just, just leave. No, no. Oh, I, with the, with this, we, we got this big, uh, one of the dishes we got was a big curry that had prawns and all sorts of vegetables in it. And with that one, I did actually you have to stop but i made sure i ate all the prawns um you <laughs> <laughs> took the good bits so that was good times managed to get a few good training sessions in last week uh so three key sessions last week did a bit of ftp riding on the bike and then did a basically did a back it up uh, back it up you said yep romantic weekend how does training fit into a romantic weekend I didn't see. I, that's the thing. I planned my week. Okay. I went Tuesday. I did some uh, like three by ten minutes sort of FTP on the bike. It was quite hard. Thursday went did a ninety kilometer race simulation ride. So at half Ironman effort, that was a bit of a struggle towards the end. I can tell you that. Uh, and then Friday morning before we flew out. I went out and did a key run. I was supposed to run twenty-one kilometers at race pace, and. Uh, I had to bail out at 16 Ks, just felt my hamstring just ever so slightly. I thought, no, I'm calling it there. I do not want to go back to where I was in March. So still got 16 Ks in and that was great. So that's how you plan it. You go, I ain't doing anything at the weekend. Get it all loaded in before you go. Do a hard session on the day of leaving. And then you don't, not stressing about uh, anything over the weekend. I did one very short run and I did a bit of stretching in the gym and that was about it. Stuff there, you go romantic. You, you, you're putting all the foots right right now, yeah. So it's good times, Bevan. Did I tell your, you, did I tell you I got the first copy of my print book? No, yeah, oh my goodness. So, so here it is. There's, there's the book, John can see it right now. It's yes. cool, you know, and it's looking great. And it's nice and thick, yeah. lots, of, lots of pages. Nice and thick. Yeah, how many pages is that? 200 and so look here, 259, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about 259. Um, do I get a mention of this one? I think you do. You're going to mention, oh. the, I did quite a big piece on you in the first one, but this yeah. one, you do get a mention. Yep, you do. You do. I think I talk about John Newsom three-year plan at some stage in there. Nice. Um, uh, it was actually quite cool because this project, oh my God, this has been a big project and it's been a two-year project and you kind of get the book because basically what happens is the printer sends you a couple of versions to make sure you're happy before they go all ahead with it. Um, so these, the, the publicists, or the publisher sent me the copy and said, look, we're over the moon about it. We're sending one in the mail. Turned up and yeah, it was just one of those moments of, you know, when you have a moment of accomplishment and like, to be honest, the real accomplishment of this book is will it help people actually bring exercise into their life? And that's the real, like when I get an email from my someone saying, this has really helped me, that's what I'm really looking for. But, you know, it was, it was pretty special, you know, bit of a special moment in my life, John Newsom. Very nice. Very nice. Other than that, my dad turned 65 retirement age. Ah, oh, yeah. his grief is retirement. So we had a family function. It was good. It was quite nice. Uh, One thing that was really cool. How often in life do you see photos of yourself that you haven't seen before? Not very, uh, not very often. It's quite a, quite, quite a cool thing. So because my nana, she bought lots of photos of my dad, which you know, from when he was very young. So basically up to was about twenty, mm-hmm. and then lots of photos I'd never seen of my dad before, and it was quite. Oh, it's just quite cool um, connecting with those. But then there's also a couple of photos there of me, which I'd never seen, you know, because you, you know the photos that you brought up of as a kid that your family mm. had taken, you kind of know them all so well. Uh, and then I just got to see some photos of myself and my family that I'd never seen before. And it was, it was really quite cool. It was quite a, you know, it's cool things to, to experience. 
I said to Belinda when we were down in Queenstown, I think we're on a, one of our walks, I said, oh, Bevan's, Bevan said his daughter's turning 25. And I yeah. said, Bevan's going to be a, uh, <laughs> a granddad. So that means you're going to have a great, potentially have a great, great granddad and a great, great, great grandmother. Well, my daughter had a great, great. Tyler yeah. had a great, great until she was at 10. Yeah. But no, Tyler doesn't want kids. So okay. yeah, you know, she's not interested at all. She's kind of career driven. So she hasn't really even got a man because they're getting away. Yeah. She gets lots of offers. So she's doing it. She's, yeah. she's, she's, she's got options, but she, yeah. um, and the boy she was going out with Sam, he was a really nice boy when I went over there, but she, he wasn't ambitious enough for her. So, cramping so. her style. <laughs> so it'll be interesting because, you know, she's, yeah, she's, you know, she's establishing life. She's bought a home and stuff. So it'll be interesting to see if that changes. I can't see her changing in the next moment. I can't wait to be a granddad. Like I'm dropping hints all the time. You know? <laughs> I'm like, come on, babe. She's jumping up for the family. So, yeah. One day, one day, but yeah, no time soon. 25, yeah. mate. My mother was a grandmother at 35. Crikey, Dak. Yeah, yeah. That's how yeah. we're rolling the houses. <laughs> yeah, a little, diff- <laughs> little different in the Newsome household. <laughs> right, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I am Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia kaha. kaha.